Welcome to the Weave Podcast. My name is Sarah Resnick, and I'm the host of this podcast and the owner of the online weaving yarn shop, Just Yarn and Fiber. Hello, dear weavers. I have another great episode of the Weave Podcast for you this week. Thank you so much for your donations to support the podcast. They really mean a lot to me, and they help support the time and money it takes to put out a new episode every week. If you'd like to make a donation, truly any amount helps. You can go to www.gistyarn.com podcast and click the donate button. Thanks. This week's featured yarn is a beautiful cotton linen blend that I import from a family-run mill in Florence, Italy. This might be one of my best-selling yarns. It's a lovely, lace-weight, slubby blend of two plies of linen and one ply of cotton. You can use it for just about anything, and my customers have. Clothing, towels, placemats, table runners, curtains, etc. It comes in huge skeins in an array of unusual colors. You can learn more about the yarn and download free project patterns to weave with it at www.gistyarn.com episode 36. This week on the podcast, I'm talking to Jane Stafford. Many of you have reached out to request that I interview Jane, so I'm really happy that I had the opportunity to speak with her a few weeks ago. Jane is an accomplished Canadian weaver and much beloved teacher who has taught many, many weavers over the decades of her career. She also hosts an online weaving guild, which welcomes weavers all over the world into her classes, even if they aren't able to travel to Salt Spring Island in person to take a workshop. Hi, Jane. I'm so glad to have you on the podcast today. Welcome. Thank you, Sarah. I'm just so pleased to be here. <laughs> Could you start out by introducing yourself and sharing how you found your way to weaving? My name is Jane Stafford, and I live on Salt Spring Island in British Columbia, Canada. And I have been a weaver for 40 years this year. Can you believe it? I can't believe wow. that's possible. <laughs> I feel like I've only just begun. Anyway, uh, I came to weaving when I was about 19. I was at a friend, my mom's friend's house, and uh, I was waiting to pick my mom up, and she was late in this meeting, and so I was kind of poking around and being a little nosy, and I walked around the corner in this lady's house, and there I saw this huge machine. And I went and looked at it, and I realized, oh, my God, there's cloth on this, threads on one side and cloth on the other. And, and I realized this, is, this woman was making cloth. And I, was, I loved textiles. I've loved textiles since I was a little girl. My mom taught me how to do all those things that we learned to do when, when I was little, to embroider, to sew, to do all kinds of things. Anyway, uh, I had been making all my own clothes, and then I realized that that was my the first thought was I could make my own cloth to make my own clothes. So uh, I within within a few weeks, I found myself a teacher who took me on and gave me private lessons and started me out on a little wee Dorothy table loom. And I thought that the first little sample I ever wove was the most remarkable thing that had the planet had ever seen. <laughs> I still have it, and it's really funny. <laughs> so was there someone, it was someone local to you that was able to teach you right away? Mm -hmm. I was lucky uh, that uh, a woman named Jan Cordewig lived uh, in the town that I was in. I'm from Thunder Bay, Ontario. And um, uh, 
I got in touch with her. I can't even remember how. Maybe a friend knew her. And anyway, I called her up and I said I would like to learn how to weave. And she told me that there was a there was a program on at the college, but I couldn't go to it. And it was already had already started, and it wasn't for beginners. So uh, she had me go over, and and she took me under her wing, and I worked with her for about a year and a half. Uh, she was extremely generous, and just a, she was just so extremely generous. It was it was lovely, and she's still a good friend to this day. And did you indeed? weave fabric to sew with? I did. Yeah. Uh, and not, it didn't take too long to get there. Uh, I, I realized that as soon as I started to weave, I was meant to do it. I loved it so much and I sort of became obsessed with it. And um, so I did make, I did make a little bit, but you know, after a while, I wanted to weave more than I wanted to sew. So I started to give my handwoven fabric to other people to sew. I didn't have time to do everything, and so why not find someone else who's a better sewer than me? wasn't hard to do, and uh, I just stuck to weaving. And when did you realize that you wanted to start turning weaving into your professional career? What was that path? I, I never really thought about it. I didn't, I can't see, I can't say that there was a conscious deci decision to do it. Um, I, uh, you know, I sort of believe I've always had a guardian angel on my shoulder, always guiding me. And I, I really do believe that. I um, was in university and I switched to the fine arts program after I started to weave. And I really wanted to be able to work, to, to do weaving in school, but um, I couldn't. So I was a ceramics major and uh, because I had to pick something. And so... I loved working with my hands and it seemed the obvious choice, but it was, the, it was being in the ceramic studio that changed my life. Uh, one day I was looking at these posters in the studio and they had received a bunch of posters from the Banff School of Fine Arts and there was an uh, introduction to multi-shaft weaving course listed on there and I thought, oh wow, multi-shaft weaving. I didn't know what a multiple shaft loom was to tell you the truth, but I thought, Oh well, let's let's try and apply. So I applied, and I got accepted into a two-week summer program in 1981. So I had been weaving for a few years already. I got into that program, and I headed west uh, to Banff, Alberta, and my life was changed there forever. So I um, did the two-week course, but while I was there, I met the studio head, the fiber studio head, Mariette Rousseau-Vermette, and. Uh, she sort of took a liking to me, and I was, I've always been very enthusiastic about everything I do, and uh, she offered me a full-time position in the Winter Cycle program with full scholarship, and um, I got that for two years in a row, and, you know, I just could never, well, my life changed that, hmm. that year, 1981. So I started... I studied with all these amazing people that were there. Um, I was a student for the first two years and then a teaching assistant. And I have always say that being a teaching assistant is the best education you can get because you see how to impart knowledge through someone else and you also see how other people receive that information. And it helped me develop my uh, natural, well, uh, yearning to share. I think 
I've always, you know, if people have seen me do something and they're interested in it, I'll tell you everything I know about what I'm doing and whether that's planting carrots or making a piece of cloth. Um, so that was interesting. Anyway, eventually I moved into a position where I was teaching myself there. And um, it's, that's just where it all started. <laughs> <laughs> So you mentioned as we were talking at the beginning that you are coming up on 40 years of being a weaver. And I'm curious, what is it that keeps you intrigued about making cloth year in and year out? And what are the, the new things that you find yourself still excited to explore? I can't imagine my life not making cloth. I, I don't know what I would do with my life if I didn't make cloth. It, I, uh, I dream about it every day. I dream about it every night. Sometimes I actually wish I could get it out of my head, but um, I can't. I ne have never been able to, and because I've spent so much of the last few years teaching intensively, um, I am, I have had the, I, how can I say this without it sounding daft? Um, I think that it's a real privilege to be able to teach people and and you learn so much by being a teacher because you see how other people perceive the world. You get to see through their eyes. So I can't tell you how many, how much I have learned by teaching the same things over and over and over. Um, and that's what keeps me going. It's because I realize that no matter how long I've been doing certain things, there's always more for me to learn. It's... It's humbling in a way. Um, I've also in the past few years had the great privilege of being able to work in India uh, several times and um, the weavers of India are my true inspiration. I'm always blown away by the extraordinary cloth that they produce with the simplest of looms and the simplest of techniques and it has in many ways made me review that, that when we have less we can do more because we don't have so many options. I, I don't know if that makes sense, but. Yeah, it really does. And I would love to hear more about your experience. How did that come about that you got to be learning from weavers in India? Uh, in Vancouver, we are so lucky in BC to have so many amazing textile things happening in Vancouver. But one, one that's very dear to my heart is the Maiwa Foundation and the Maiwa Symposium, which happens every year in Vancouver. And um, I was invited by Charlotte Kwan to teach there, I think maybe in 2010. I, was, I could not believe it. I was over the moon that I was invited to go and teach at the symposium because, you know, some of the greatest minds in textiles go there to teach every year. So I, I, was, I was just amazed that... She asked me. So I went over and I had always admired the fabrics that they sell in their store, all woven in India. And I asked if I could create a new workshop for them. But I didn't want to just teach stuff that I had been teaching. I, I always have to challenge myself and I, nothing ever stays the same in my workshops, no matter how many times I teach them. I constantly rework them, change them, work with new colors. 
add another layer. So when I went to teach that workshop, I asked Charlotte if I could look at textiles inside their in their textile library, which is quite remarkable, and choose fabrics that had been handwoven in India on simple looms and try and recreate them in yarns that weavers in North America would be able to work with. And so I did that, and it, it was a success. Um, it was the first time I had ever done something like that. And uh, anyway, Charlotte asked me the next year if I would go to India with her to work, uh, to be a weaving facilitator in a village north of Kolkata. They were having a master class, and they were bringing, I think, 27 generational artisans from all over India uh, to this village so that they could, so that people could basically share knowledge. And honestly, I learned far more than I ever did as a facilitator. I, it, it changed my life. That, uh, that first trip in 2011 changed my life forever. And um, I saw so many remarkable pieces of fabric woven and gained a whole new appreciation for, for simple cloth. Uh, yeah. So I have had the great fortune of going back uh, twice two more times with Charlotte to assist on tours that she does. And each time I go back, we travel to a new area of India and to visit weavers, block printers, natural dyers. And it's it, it just, it's just so much to learn there. So much to learn. Yeah. How have you seen that impact the way that you teach weaving? Oh, it's made me completely go back and review everything that I've done and simplify, 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 rather than because I, I truly believe that you can make, well, so a lot of weavers in our, in our world think that the complexity in a piece of cloth comes from the threading and how many pattern shafts that it's woven on. And I have, um, I don't feel that way. I think that we can make a complex piece of cloth on two shafts by overlayering different types of ideas. And so the weavers of India have had a huge uh, influence on me that way. All the workshops that I have taught since coming back the first time have been completely redeveloped. Um, and I try to bring those ideas to every workshop. I'm really intrigued by that idea of I, I can't remember already exactly how you said it, but the, the overlaying of, of different ideas onto simple structures. Like as a weaver, personally, I find myself more drawn to color and material than um, shafts and designs. And I would just love if you could talk a little bit more about what you mean by that and how you help people develop their own creative ideas in that way. Yeah. Well, I believe that, um, I do believe that Weavers should learn about, uh, I think that new weavers need to have, get a really good, strong structural foundation, not structural, a real good foundation and learn the basics well right off the bat because then it frees them up to move quickly through other things. Um, you know, learning how to dress your loom really well and make a warp really well, all those things are so important because there's so much to learn as a new weaver. So if you, for anyone who teaches new weavers, I always like to say, keep it simple. Make the project small. 
Um, make the projects in plain weave. Let them, let the weavers develop the skill of dressing their loom over and over and over again so that they can do it quickly and, and with confidence and, and let them learn how to weave and hold their shuttle well right off the bat by doing simple plain weave over and over and over again because then their salvages get under control and they're not worrying about every pick they throw and the little bubble on the edge and my, I have a smiley face here and a sad face on that side of my salvage. All of those things, you know, hold people back. And so if you can learn good solid foundation right off the bat and then overlay ideas around structure, uh, it's easier. So, you know, learn, Learning how to dress a loom one day and weaving and trying to weave an overshot scarf the next day is, I don't think, doing the, that new weaver a great service because they get confused. So for me, we, I start people off with very simple things. Once they have their technique under control, which doesn't take very long, then we start looking at plain weave and color. And I approach color in a very graphic way, division of space first. Um, I use the world around me to provide me with a palette of inspiration. And we pour that palette into the graphic and that division of space. So um, we sketch. Everybody that comes here has to take the workshops in order. And uh, the very that very first workshop is the color and design workshop where they sketch. and. Uh, learn how to bring their ideas to fruition. And then on top of that, we can overlay all kinds of things. We can overlay threadings of more complex structures into those existing graphics and colors. We can learn, well, gosh, there's so much to learn about plane weave. Set, mm -hmm. set, we can make, no plane weave is just over one, under one, over one, under one but we can make a million different types of fabric with the same yarn by learning how the reed controls the density of, of your cloth. And so with one yarn, we can make thick, dense fabrics or fine gossamer fabrics. It's amazing. So that all, that all comes from learning how to use your reed, and your reed is an overlay on top of, can be used as an overlay on top of your color and your graphic by using techniques like denting and cramming and denting. Everything just builds up. So we do a big, long, a big, huge discovery of, of color and design, and then we learn how to use our reed creatively. Uh, and then we add different structures, and then we add all of those things that we've already learned on top of the new things that we learn. Sounds pretty fun. So are these, are all of these learnings that you're talking about, are these in-person workshops or are these also things that people can experience in your online guild? Um, everything has been developed in-house where people have come for many, many years. They come for five days. Some people have come five, six, seven times, seven years in a row. Wow. I always say, gosh, you have to keep coming back. I obviously didn't teach you enough. But. <laughs> But they, they keep coming back and for a new workshop. There's a, 11 workshops in the curriculum that I have created over all these years of teaching. And so you could come uh, 11 times to get it all. Anyway, that I am transitioning out of that and taking all of this to the online guild simply because I was 
I had huge wait lists for the workshops that we run here on Salt Spring Island, and um, I was I was starting to feel bad for these people that were always on the wait list. You know, the we'd launch, we'd announce that registration would start for the New Year's courses on such and such a day, and within an hour of of sign up or the now an hour of starting the registration, everything was full. And I could hear such disappointment in people's voices, and I was trying to find a way to be able to reach more people, because I would never be able to teach all the people on the wait list. It was impossible. I can only do that for, we, we have, for the last 10 years, run a five-day workshop every three weeks for 10 months a year. Wow. And that's intense, yeah. preparing all the looms, the, everybody works on floor looms. Anyway, I, I could not possibly teach any more than I was teaching. And so the idea of the online guild seemed like, well, well, I had no idea whether people would do it or not or like it or even think it was strange but or good. or I had no idea, but it, I had to try it. And so we did try it, and now it's, uh, we have people all around the world following the videos, and the videos are presented in the same sequence that they that the weavers would get them here in the studio. Wow. So tell me more about this. When, how do people sign up? What kind of content do they get? What kind of support do they get? What is it like? Well, um, it is, I called it a guild for a very good reason, because I believe that weavers guilds in North America have been, they have preserved the craft to this date. If it hadn't been for weavers guilds and uh, these devoted weavers all over North America we, and in Europe, um, because there weren't professional weavers working anymore preserving that craft, we would not have this vast body of information um, to draw upon. And so when I was trying to figure out a way to put workshops online, I didn't want to market a workshop. I, I it just, I don't know, it just didn't seem like the right way to go. So I always thought of the generosity of the weavers in weavers' guilds who um, invited me into their life and supported me and helped me. And uh, so I thought, well, we'll call it a guild rather than workshops, although they are the workshops. They are indeed workshops. It is a guild. And um, it works this way. You pay your yearly dues for your guild membership. And in return for you paying your dues, you get to have all of the videos which are in the guild library. If you join a guild, a weaver's guild, you get to walk into a guild library that has been uh, created over the, the, the lifetime of that guild. You know, you could have maybe 50 years of books sitting in that guild library. That's a pretty wonderful thing for a new member to be able to access, is all this history. And so that's what you get with my online guild, except that they're not books on the shelf, they're videos on the shelf. And uh, the videos started with the foundations and the fundamentals of weaving for a brand spanking new weaver. And then uh, last, well, this present year here. So we started in 20... What year is it today? It is 2018. So we started in 2017. January 2017 was our first year. 2018 is the color and design workshop. So we're almost finished with that. And um, 
for next year, it is the Pushing the Boundaries of Plain Weave workshop. So the videos are about an hour and a half to three hours long. They're getting longer. The stuff that come, it's coming next year is almost three hours long, so many of the videos. I hope everyone will be okay with that. But, you know, we got such great stuff that I couldn't just piecemeal it out. It all belonged together in a specific episode. So we just, I decided that, what the heck, we're, we're doing this once, let's do it the very best we can and give everything that we can about a specific thing. So uh, videos are released every five weeks, but when you join, when you join the online guild, you get everything that's already on that shelf. So it's like a library. Wow. All you have to do is pay your dues every year. It's such an incredible value, and I really love the way that you've structured it as a as a guild and really focused on the way that communities have kept this craft going and learning. It's a really mm -hmm. beautiful tribute to that. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's so important to never forget that. Yeah. We we have what we know what we know because of women who mostly women. I mm -hmm. have to say they're mostly women who have selflessly preserved this craft and um, I think that's really important to acknowledge yeah, yeah and to honor absolutely so I honor everybody from the past who's got me to where I am today absolutely me too it's it's one of my favorite parts about being part of this community and making this podcast is the generosity with which people share of themselves and their skills with really yeah. just the interest in and having other people fall in love with this so mm -hmm. yeah yeah gosh there's so much to learn <laughs> <laughs> yeah what are some of the biggest challenges that you see new weavers who join your guild struggling with and how are you able to help them troubleshoot those I think it's really difficult for new weavers to focus because they have so much, so many things uh, bombarding them, you know. And um, you could, as a new weaver, you Google, how do I warp a loom? And there's seven million little things up there that you could look at. And everybody does it differently. And, and so you don't know how you should do it because everybody does it differently. I think that's hard. In a funny way, that's kind of difficult. Yeah, Gosh, it is. I, I don't know. I mean, in one way, it's great. But in another way, I think I would have found that hard to learn that way. Yeah, yeah. How do you help people build a sense of community when they're not geographically close to other weavers? Well, that's where the internet comes in really handy. <laughs> yes, it does. You know? Yeah, it's awesome. We have a forum that's attached to the online guild and people post their pictures and have show and tell all the time. We have one uh, on our website, but there's also one, uh, a lot of people share their information through Ravelry. Um, we have a Weave with Jane Stafford group on Ravelry and people do a lot of posting and sharing there about what they've done with the online guild. So you can see all kinds of great pictures in both those places. The forum, anyone can see the posts on our forum. You don't have to be a member, but to make a post, you have to be a member. And when you're not teaching or planning lessons, what are you dreaming up of weaving for yourself on your own looms these days? <laughs> you know, I have spent so much time developing these workshops and obsessing over them and reworking them that <clears throat> uh, 
I have I really for the last 10 years all I've done is build workshops and uh, revamp workshops I truly believe that we can always get better and better and better at everything we do I'll never be done but I am making I have made a conscious decision I turned 60 last year and I thought to myself you know you uh, in the last 10 years I haven't really done any of my own work anymore and so I have given myself a great gift which is uh, 2019 I will not be doing any in-house workshops in the studio so just the online guild and um, doing doing creating the videos for the online guild and teaching in person every three weeks has been quite daunting for the last two years and I'm and I'm a little pooped out so I decided that I'm going to give myself a gift of just doing the online guild presentations and the weaving that a lot of weaving goes into doing those presentations and uh, next year I'm not having any in-house workshops so I'm looking forward to creating all kinds of things I'm not really sure where where that's going to go yet um, but I know I'll be at the loom every day <laughs> every day I get emails from people who are just learning how to weave or who are intrigued about weaving or maybe who have a rigid head of loom and want to try out a floor loom all sorts of different things and I hear from people that they don't know how to get started and you know they'll try watching a YouTube video but I really like deeply feel that people are looking for a a learning community to be part of as they follow on this journey and it just sounds to me like this guild that you have created with your community is such a beautiful community that people can join and so I hope that people who are intrigued by this as they're listening are, are going to go check it out. Where can people go on the internet and on social media to learn more about you and your work and your guild? Um, I'll I have to say that if I was starting out, I would be so happy to have my online guild because it has been created for new weavers and it takes them step by step through through the discussion of should I dress my loom from the back to the front or from the front to the back. It's all discussed. So should I warp on a warping board or a warping mill? How, just like every single little detail, I'm not telling people exactly well, I demonstrate all the different ways and I encourage people to try the different ways and then find out what works best for them. So uh, I can say that about the Online Guild. is It's a great place for new weavers to come and most importantly gain confidence and understand why they're doing every little thing and to challenge things that perhaps they've seen other places we don't have there's a million ways to do everything you need to find the way that works best for you that's what I'm always saying in the videos and I try to present as many ways as possible for you to approach the same thing um, so if you want to learn about it all you have to do is go to janestaffordtextiles.com and right at the very top it says online guild and if you click there you can learn all about it and and then you could go to Ravelry, Weave with Jane Stafford on Ravelry. I think that we're on Instagram and Facebook, <laughs> all those other places. I'm so lucky I don't do all of that stuff. I have these wonderful kids who, who do all of that stuff. It's hard to do everything that the world wants you to do these days. <laughs> it is. Little, you know, you got to call in your troops. <laughs> it is. 
Yeah. It's good. It's good that you have good troops. I have great troops. I am so blessed to have the people I have working for me. I can't tell you how lucky I am. Hmm. So. Well, I really appreciated talking to you. And I'm wondering before we close out, if you have any final advice or words of wisdom that you would share for weavers out there. Yeah, I, I think I would say to everybody what I what I say to the people here, try to find a time every single day of your life to give 15 or 20 minutes to your weaving, half an hour to your weaving, to your craft. If you want to get good at something, you have to put time in. There's no shortcuts. I don't believe that there's shortcuts. And um, the, the thing I always say to my students here is, you know, remember when you gave your kids piano lessons? You made them practice every day for half an hour. And after they practiced every day for half an hour, after a month, you noticed that they were getting a lot better. And then <laughs> a couple months later, you were inviting the neighbors in to hear how brilliant your child was. Well, they only got better because they practiced for half an hour every day. Weaving's the same thing. I always say that the, the loom is my instrument. And if I want to learn to play my instrument well, I have to practice every day. That's, that's my advice. 15, 20 minutes. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you so much for taking the time to share your story with oh, all of us today. I welcome. appreciate thank it, you. Jean. Thank you for being interested. <laughs> Take care. You too. That's a wrap. If you'd like to learn more about Jane's online weaving guild or to see photos of Jane and her workshops, head over to www.gistyarn.com episode hyphen 36. Immediately after recording this conversation with Jane, I went over to sign up for her guild, and I'm so happy I did. It is truly jam-packed with resources for weavers of all experience levels. You can find the links to her website and social media accounts at www.gistyarn.com episode 36. Next week on the podcast, we are starting something new that I'm really so excited about. You might remember LaShawn Moore, our podcast producer, who was interviewed for episode 28 of the podcast. LaShawn is a textile artist and weaver and recently started a farm in Low Country, South Carolina. In this new series, LaShawn will be bringing all of us along on her research and community building journey as she connects and learns from textile and dye farmers. The series starts next week with LaShawn's interview with Julius Tillery, an African-American cotton farmer in North Carolina and the founder of Black Cotton. In their conversation, they discuss Julius's family history as a fifth-generation cotton farmer, the discrimination Black farmers face getting access to land and capital, why Julius doesn't choose to grow organic cotton, and so much more. If you haven't already listened to episode 28 of the podcast, where LaShawn shares her own stories and journey, I'd recommend starting with that. You can find it at www.gistyarn.com episode 28. And hey, if you're enjoying this podcast, will you leave us a review on iTunes? It really helps other weavers and textile artists find out about us. Plus, I read every review and love hearing from you. Tune in next Monday to hear LaShawn's conversation with Julius Tillery. And until next time, happy weaving.